When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. It has been an odyssey, the likes of which no Australian team has ever embarked upon. Scott Boland takes the catch to secures the World Test Championship final for Australia. The culmination of two years' hard work. They'll come back for a second, and Australia has won the World Cup. A sixth championship victory, and surely none greater than this. Australia has crushed all of India in one night. The spoils of victory littered with unforgettable moments that will define this generation. He'll seal it with a boundary. Australia win a famous victory. Only their second win in India since 2004. It's ball run. No! Pat Cummins drops his battered helmet and wheels away in celebration. One of their greatest Ashes victories. And Blazed with controversy that will be debated eternal. Kerry, it's bold. He tried to reverse swing. He got done all ends up. And this litany of disaster for Australia is unending. Oh, and it's... Oh, well, there's a shout for a run out. Now, that's going to be very interesting. Oh, no. Upstairs we go, Bairstow's out here. Bairstow's gone wandering oh. down the track that's given yeah. out. Yeah. It's a moment of controversy at Lords. The crowd are booing. This is going to be something. With so much achieved, the Test team returns to home soil to bask in an Australian summer. For final bows, Dave Warner on 196. In bowls to him, and Warner, it leapt at him. He got it away through the corner and down for four. Down to his knees. This is the innings of a champion. For further domination, it's 100. Travis Heads with a World Cup final century. To add to a time in the World Test Championship this year, Australia's most important and prolific all-format batter. And for the celebration of Pat Cummins' champion team. I think that's the pinnacle of international career. Yeah, it's been a big year for everyone. These are the moments that you'll remember for the rest of your life. For starters, it's Pakistan and all their enigmatic and unpredictable possibility. Bowls to Masood, who drives wide and mid-on for four. Freddie bowls to him. Bowl! Right through him! Across the summer, SEN continues our unrivaled commitment to test crickets with the voices you know and trust, including Simon Catch. That is test cricket at its finest. Damian Fleming. Beautiful bowling, the corridor of carnage. Ian Healy. They got through it and made it look easy. And Ian Smith. Staggering! Absolutely mind-blowing! 
Welcome to the summer as we share every ball on SEN Test Cricket. Over the wicket at him, he's bowled him! It's the tiger! That is a shot of an emperor. Stephen Smith at second slip, it's a screamer. Crawley's wrapped on the pad, they're up, he's out. Bowls to Bowles, hey. over. to Smith, he lifts him up superbly into the stands, what a Last ball of the over, beat got it. It's the goal! Corner Gully, three of the over for Scotty. Australia loves it. It's a box office blockbuster. For Host Plus, live across Australia and around the world, Australia versus Pakistan on SEN Test Cricket. Good morning and welcome to SEN Cricket live from Perth Stadium for the first test between Australia and Pakistan for Host Plus and Henley Homes, build with confidence. Forget what the calendar says, in Australia we know that summer really begins when the opening delivery is sent down on this day, when test cricket comes home. And what a homecoming it will be for Pat Cummins and his men. It's difficult to think of an Australian side enjoying a more complete winter away, capped with their stunning World Cup win at Ahmedabad just a few weeks ago. But cricket isn't a great sport for finish lines, and this week represents the start of a fresh campaign, Australia's attempt to make the next World Test Championship final in 18 months from now. The only change to the side that went down at the Oval is the return of Nathan Lyon. What a difference he would have made in the second half of the Ashes. Truly a case of distance making the heart grow fonder. As the most parochial state in the Commonwealth, had Cam Green been replaced by anyone other than a fellow West Australian, well, it would have been rough this week. But Mitchell Marsh's return was such a fine one in England, he's earned the chance to go again at home in his baggy green. At the top of the list, it's effectively confirmed now that David Warner will get his preferred SCG ending. But it's his opening partner, Usman Khawaja, who has dominated headlines here over the last 24 hours with his plea in relation to matters in the Middle East. As for the visitors, the fact is they've lost their last 14 test matches in this country, going all the way back to 1999. Most of those defeats have ended in heavy margins, many of them sprinkled with chaos. And after falling short at the World Cup last month, it's a familiar story. New coach, director, captain and selectors. But measuring our expectations accordingly, it's always worth remembering that Pakistan are at their most dangerous when they're at their most chaotic. And they still boast a couple of superstars in Barbara Azam and Shaheen Sharafridi. And both will need to really make their mark at the first time of asking if there's any chance at all of holding up the Benno Kadir Trophy in a few weeks from now. I'm Adam Collins, and I'm probably not the first voice you expected to hear this morning. Unfortunately, our brilliant skipper on SEN, Jared Waitley, has taken ill in Melbourne. COVID waits for nobody, but he'll be back for Boxing Day. But with me to begin, our coverage are two experts that you know well and have been with us since the start on SEN Cricket. Former Test stars Simon Kadich and Damien Fleming for Bundaberg Ginger Beer, the great Australian brew lads. Great to see you both, Flem. The last time we saw each other was at Leeds, but nearly six months on, there's always something special about opening day, isn't there? Seriously, how'd we lose that? <laughs> how'd we lose it? Um, no, it was fantastic. Um, yeah, since the World Cup, you know, just, geez, I got a lot out of that World Cup win for the Aussies. Um, yeah, everyone panicked after the first two um, losses, but, you know, you, it's a long tournament. Those two teams end up making the semi-finals, and we got the chance to play them back twice. So, for this team, um, it's been a brilliant year. You chucked the World Test Championship final um, win, like you said there, Colo. And with a little bit of conjecture about the team, you know, I'm a little bit of a, you know, I, I want to see some 
players unearthed in the next couple of years. So when I heard Mitchell Stark had a bit of a niggle, I was thinking, gee, you know, can we get Lance Morris in? You know, um, also um, for the crowd, you know, being here at Perth, his local ground, and get a few more people in. But, you know, as Andrew MacDonald said, you know, they, they want to um, retain the World Test Championship. So every test match is, is absolutely premium. And I love how none of the big quicks want to give up their spot. Mm. You know, they want to keep cashing in and they want to play test match cricket. Um, it's going to be tough for Pakistan, Caddo. Um, their stars are, are superstars. Babra's arms is as good a batsman to watch uh, visually. You got runs out here last year. Shahina Freedy's up there with the best fast bowlers in the world. But I think it's going to be their bottom four or five players that are just going to get found out in this series. Uh, yeah, for Australia, selection was almost boring, wasn't it? Once we knew Warner was. Was, was playing and we knew that Mitchell Marsh was going to retain his spot over Cam Green and the big three quicks had said what they said. It was going to be boring for us as well. I mentioned Jared's not with us this week, Crook back at home. We've got Adam White sitting in in the other commentator's chair joining our pretty stable team, all familiar voices. But um, yeah, for Australia, I, I did admire, as we welcomed Simon Caddish for the first time today, the, the three quicks and Pat Cummins reinforced it in our interview with him yesterday. They are not going to give up their spot for anybody. They view Test Cricket as the premium product. None of this rest and rotation for them. Yeah, good morning, guys, and all our listeners out there. Look, I think they're going about it the old-fashioned way is what we've seen for a number of years in Australian cricket is that you pick your best 11 at that point in time. Yes, there is a need to potentially look to the future at times, but at this point in time, this team warrants being selected on the back of what they've been able to achieve in recent times. And it has been a fantastic 12 months. They were probably disappointed to not be able to get the job done in India uh, against a very good Indian team, but that's historically been a tough ask. To win the World Test Championship in England was a phenomenal achievement, the way they did it there against a very good Indian side in neutral conditions. And then to top it off, arguably, I think it's probably our greatest ever World Cup victory. Mm. I mean, Flem, you've been a part of some magnificent ones. Obviously, 99 stands out, coming back from where you were in that one in England. But this one, given the way that India were going, they're so dominant at home, they're so hard to beat at home, to see Australia come back from that slow start it was great to see. And they did it with what stands out to Australian cricket over a number of years through their fielding. The intensity in their fielding lifted there was that togetherness. They're a tight group. They've achieved a lot in the last 18 months together. And that is something that I think they want to embrace and keep together in this next period and, and grow on that. Yeah, and I think significantly for 50 over cricket where people are saying, uh, are the crowds interested? You know, how much do we do we play another one? Well, certainly so. The 50 over World Cup um, with Pat Cummins and co saying whole lot of my career. You know, because mm. they're tough to win. They're like a footy competition, you know, eight or nine weeks. And it's about momentum. It's about peaking in the final. And if you look at it through um, Australia's wins, generally their best game's been in the final, you know. So that's one thing I love about the Australian team there. Also, I think it's a tick for their planning off field. Like Pat Cummins gets scrutinised a lot as captain, but we know it's a a team that are captaining these days. It's not like the old days where the captain just took a fair bit of the control and the the coach was a support. Um, Stephen Smith's obviously very proactive with Cummins on the field. They've got senior players there. Um, Pre-game, it's it's the coaching staff, it's the analysis, Dean Hills and co. So it's, you know, it's a total team effort, and their decision to bowl first um, was proven right. You know, they were talking about different soils, um, the dew factor. You know, they had India three for one or three for two in that first game and still couldn't get it done. So they knew after the 10th over it gets really good for batting. Um, and maybe the changes, talking about Lance Morris, maybe they are, the, the few mistakes they have had 
Um, you know, Travis Head not playing that first um, test match in India, you know, was a horror selection. It's also blurred the lines for Matty Renshaw. Renshaw's got himself back in having a sniff to open the batting for Australia by opening for Queensland. By batting him at six at SCG last year, um, for us, it was we were bemused, you know, why is he batting there? But he was always playing the first test. So they got that wrong. Um, so, you know, I think they are sort of very, you know, confident that from now on they're going to make the, the right decisions and not, not make too many changes. Yeah, lots to get through on opening morning, Captain. Flem, you mentioned Travis Head. There has been some succession planning done by Australia in the last 24 hours, announcing that Head will now be the co-vice-captain. He's had that job once before, actually, back in 2018, 2019, but back in that chair. And it sounds from what Pat was saying yesterday... They've got their successor. They're, they've got ahead of the curve on this one. Yeah, you look back on that decision and you'd say it was probably a bit premature because at that point in time, Travis Head wasn't a lock in that team. He was, he'd been in and out of the test team. He'd previously been dropped. Whereas now, 18 months down the track, I think in these last 18 months or two years of test cricket, ODI cricket now, and Travis Head just got back in that T20 international team in South Africa recently in September, he's made, I think, around 3,000 international runs in that period. Mm. Average well over 50 across all formats, but it's been the strike rate. <laughs> and I think the key with all of this is that he's flourished on the back of the hierarchy, giving him a clear role to go out there, play his natural game, which he's done for South Australia for a number of years. And as a result of that, his game's flourished. He's got huge belief in, in how he needs to go about it to be successful at international level. And that's pretty much it at international cricket. As you know, Flem, it's 90% about belief. The players that get picked, they've all got the ability because they've earned it through performance, but it's that flicking the switch to say, do I believe I'm good enough at international cricket? He's got that now. And so Andrew McDonald and Pat Cummins, as the hierarchy of this Australian team, deserve a lot of credit for not only getting the best out of Travis Head and seeing him as a, as a leadership option down the track, but there's other players. Mitch Marsh has returned back in the team, did well in the Ashes. Usman Khawaja's just had a magnificent two years when he looked like he wasn't going to play test cricket again. So... There's all these number of players in this group that are thriving under this leadership. Yeah, it feels like, Flem, they had a lot of... I was going to say a lot of questions to answer 12 months ago. They, they probably didn't uh, in, in rational terms. But when we rocked up at Perth 12 months ago, the team felt a bit under the pump. Cummins and co, it was like, well, what do they represent? Who are they going to be going forward? You don't hear a lot of that now. I know they've rebranded at the West Test this week, and there is a, a focus on how many people will show up today. But we're not having the same, well, the same tenor of conversation as we were 12 months ago. No, well, just a couple of years ago, I, there was a brave selection, Cam Green and yep. Will Pekofsky. And, and I think they would have been hoping around this stage that, you know, Bukowski was opening the batting um, and Cam Green. Um, I mean, Greeny's been pushed out by, by Mitchell Marsh's incredible innings there at Headingley and backing it up. And, you know, Mitchell Marsh is only 30-31. So good teams have unlucky players not to play. Um, and that's certainly the case here. So that, that sort of changed a bit. And the vice-captaincy, it was like a poison chalice for a few years there because I think it was Head and Mitchell Marsh at that time. And then, you know, they were dropped. And then I think Josh Hazel got it and got a lot of injuries. So um, this is more planned. Um, we need a succession. You know, for Pat Cummins, how long can he captain um, at international level um, in, in these formats? And, you know, I, I want him to get at least to the next Test Championship. And that might be a good way to get out. Because if you look at Test captains, four or five years is, is a lot. Um, and now... From the great Ricky Ponting being the first of a genera you know, recent generation to retire from the captaincy and still play, 
you know, Smithy's playing. So it can happen. So I want Cummins to keep playing, but that, that might absolutely cook him by hopefully retaining the World Test Championship. Yeah, it feels like Cummins is across this as well. Cat, when he took over as captain, he said he wanted to do that kind of English senior pro thing towards the end of his career. And now he's gone ahead and appointed the successor this far out. It might be World Test Championship cycle. It might be beating England at home again or yep. something like that. But still, like, it feels like it's astute planning from the guys behind the scenes knowing that what you're saying, Flem, captains do eventually burn out. They all do. Oh, no doubt because of the way the schedule is now and because of the demands on their time and in particular with Pat Cummins, the role that he plays. You know, we saw when Australia was in Pakistan last year for that test series, he single-handedly got the job done on those flat wickets that nothing was happening and he managed to get the wickets that would change the course of the test, particularly the one in Lahore, which we end up winning 1-0. But... Yeah, just going back to Pat Cummins, it just goes to show how self-aware he is to be thinking ahead. He's always going to be assured of his spot in the team because of how dominant he is with the ball. He's been a remarkable bowler for a number of years now, particularly in test cricket. And what he's been able to do winning that World Cup in India is a phenomenal feather in his cap oh. as a leader, given where they came from too. Like they were none and he had two. his best game in the final. And he yep. was, his yep. tactically was brilliant in the final with the way they exposed the Indian batsmen with yep. five guys on the leg side, tacking the stumps, using the short ball. It, it was just classic tactics and, and leadership that won that World Cup um, against the odds. And so for him to be thinking down the track, it's not about him, it's about the group and what they can achieve moving forward and the legacy that he'll leave, it'll be huge because he's not just thinking about himself now, he's thinking about the future. He's broken the mould. You know, we can have a fast bowling captain. I mean, you, you, you need to appoint the, the best person, whatever skill they've had. But, but now, um, after 130 years of test cricket, you know, you can. You can give it, to, and, and you get that beautiful thing where they can grab the ball and just will themselves to change momentum. So, yeah, I feel sorry for... For guys like Murph Hughes and Doug Bollinger, you know, unfortunately <laughs> didn't get the opportunity because we were treated like second-class citizens, but Paddy's changed that. Another man with a very high cricketing IQ is Nathan Lyon. I'm happy to plug. We're talking to him soon down pitch side. Uh, he resumes his test career, 496 test wickets. When we were there when his calf oh. went king beneath us at the uh, at the, at the uh, nursery end at Lord's back ugly, in, in July. It? I think we were on air yeah. together. I'm like, uh-oh, he's done. Um, but he's played a couple of Shield games. He's back in the groove. Uh, and I don't know, do you think this might be the sort of thing that extends his career? I know Peter Siddle said, uh, when he had a bad injury at about age 34, 35, that having some time out of the game helped, helped refresh the batteries. Maybe the same it, could. it is for Lyme. No, it certainly could. Uh, you know, we, we talk so much about the physical um, attributes of being having to be a three-format player and, um, you know, touring the world. You know, sometimes, Kelly, you need a mental rest, don't you? You just need a, a break, and, and that's with fast bowlers. It generally it, it can be enforced with injuries. With, with Lino, obviously, it was the calf. Um, and we also saw, if we didn't already think he was one of the greatest Australian players of all time, well, when he left, it, it just changed the whole momentum of the series. You know, we're not losing headingly if Nathan Lyon's playing well, because he would have yeah. bowled, you know, they didn't bowl Murphy a lot pre-lunch um, to find out whether he was an option. Um, Lyon would have been bowling pre-lunch. Um, you know, we w would have won that game. So it's funny, isn't it, that um, when he does retire, Murphy's going to be a fantastic test bowler for Australia. Um, but it, it will be a gap for, for a period of time. So it's funny, with the injury, I, I think his legacy's um, already increased. 
What has, but the other thing too is he's really only playing test cricket now. He's not really in the white ball mix. He was previously, he was in and out at times. Um, not to say he can't play white ball cricket, but if he just purely focuses on test cricket moving forward, that, Bit of bash. that in itself should be able to prolong his career because you are getting more time at home and, and depending on how much he's playing with New South Wales or in the big bash, um, those little breaks can do the world of good from being outside of the international bubble, which these guys, particularly all format players, are on the road pretty much 12 months a year. So that'll be the, the interesting thing, how they manage not just him, but the other three big quicks because they're all three format players. But at some point, you can't keep doing three formats because it catches up at some point, as we talked about yeah. with Pat mm. Cummins being the skipper. At a, there's a three, four, five-year window where it, it just catches up at some point, whether it's injury, whether it's form. And that's maybe the opportunity. We saw it recently in the T20 International Series in India. A couple of, um, of the fringe players got opportunities in that and it highlighted the gap between the next crop of bowlers and what we've got and what we saw at the um, World Cup. There's still a bit of a gap between those boys at the moment. Yeah, those specialist positions. So we know Lion's successor is Todd Murphy. We're no clearer on David Warner. I thought it was an interesting answer that Pat gave me yesterday about... Is he definitely playing through to Sydney now? He said, well, I mean, yeah, kind of, sort of, but it's still results dependent like everybody else. So if Warner did have a double failure here, the, the conversation might be fast-tracked somewhat, but it doesn't seem to me, Kat, that they've made their mind up yet on how they're going to play this. Yeah, look, I think this decision with Warner, in my mind, I think they made it earlier in the year after the South African series. That was their opportunity to say, right, India's coming up, Ashes coming up, Two venues that David Warner hasn't scored a Test 100 in and had struggled, averaging the 20s in both venues. And if they hadn't picked him for those tours, then then would probably mean career over. They did. That highlights to me that they think he was a better option than the other three that they've been mentioning, mm. Bancroft, Renshaw and, and Harris. Otherwise, there were opportunities in the last six months or so to maybe get those guys in. But in my mind, I think the selectors felt that David Warner potentially, even though he's not at the peak of his powers, and he's 37 now, and it's hard to go on forever, they still felt that he was a better option in those conditions than the, the other three. And as yeah, a result, yeah. he's, he's going to get the chance to finish here because his record in Australia averages 58. It's probably second to none, or probably, sorry, apart from the great Sedan and maybe Matty Hayden. But no one else has probably averaged more in Australia and I'd be surprised if he doesn't get runs here. And what a way to sign off for him, Flem, given he averages 140 against Pakistan at home and 85 against them overall, what he did four years ago. This has been set up perfectly for him yeah. to have one of those I mean, if he'd been moved on in the previous couple of years, yeah. you know, he wouldn't have been unlucky. But as you said, get, you know, not after the 200 at the G, not tapping him on going, hey, it'd be a good finish at the SCG coming off that. He did his job in England. You know, the partnerships mm. with Usman, you know... Um, we're handy and, and put less pressure on our middle order. Um, I think the Aussies, they'll be keen for him to get some runs and to, and to have no more publicity getting to Sydney. And I don't begrudge him. You know, he's been an amazing player, hasn't he? You know, he was probably the first player pigeonholed as a T20 specialist all along. He said, I want to wear the baggy green. He wasn't even playing shield cricket for New South Wales at this stage. Um, so good on him. He had a goal, baggy green. Not only that, over 100 times been one of our great openers um, and white ball cricket one of the greats too. The one thing I like about Warner too is how much uh, he's running between the wickets in his mid-30s and also the way he chases the ball in the mid, mid um, in the outfield and that inner ring fielding in the World Cup 
um, in the semi-final with Marnus was outstanding. So, you know, sometimes I don't think we give him uh, enough credit for the one percenters that, that he does because his image is a little bit more, he's an individual in this. But, you know, within the team, I think he's been a fantastic team player. Before I let you two fellas go, you've been out there to the middle to have a look at the pitch, our ground and weather conditions for Rainbird leaders in irrigation for over 90 years. It's 24 degrees outside at the moment, a forecast top of 29. There's never any clouds here in Perth, Cat. You know that well. But uh, what do you expect from the surface, you two? A thought each, and then we'll get out to a break. I think whoever wins the title will want a bat, even though it's got a really good even coverage of, of green grass on it. I think it's eight mils. It's been cut slightly less than last year, which was 10. But it looks a good track. It's just the Pakistanis aren't used to batting on wickets that have this much grass on it. So I think whoever wins has got to bat first. Yep, certainly. Um, the only team that might think about is Pakistan uh, bowling first. But, uh, no, it looks a cracker. You know, it looks hard, fast and bouncy. And the new ball will, will move around. And, and that's what we want. But, you know, you've got to get through that tough period when the seam gets a bit softer. And there should be, should be plenty of... Run- well, you're able to play your shots. Yes, and you're in the game as a bowler because there's pace and bounce. Pakistan not playing a spinner. I'm worried they're going to win the toss and bowl. But we'll find that out 